Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This week we talk about everything from mouldy bread and batteries, along with killer ants and mammal march madness. So what does mouldy bread, mushrooms and batteries have to do with each other? Well, some researchers from Scotland have come up with a unique solution. Plus, we find out about the cost of war, especially for ants and ants' colonies. Plus, we give you a recap of the Sweet 16 of the Mammal March Madness tournament. Now, we've been talking about animals fighting for glory and honour in Mammal March Madness 2016, but some new research from the University of Florida, headed by Kathleen Rudolph, has actually found out some ways that Ants are taking down some of the biggest mammals around and working together to do that. Now, the small ant, the acacia ant, which is found in Kenya in the large African plateaus, is known to actually not just fight amongst itself like all ants do in the bitter colony wars from tree to tree, but they also fight large animals that come and browse and graze on the trees where these ants are living. In particular, when, say, an elephant or a giraffe comes along to eat the trees, these ants, these acacia ants, will bite and do significant damage to these larger creatures. Now, you'd you think an elephant's thick skin would protect it from the ants, but the ants actually manage to find their way inside the elephant's trunk and give it some fearsome bites, leading to a well-deserved reputation for being quite devastating. They, they really seem to have a knack for finding your soft tissue. Uh, The researcher Kathleen Rudolph states. Now, ants, these ants are super aggressive towards each other, and they fight to the death over their tree territories. And if you lose a tree or a colony, it's stuck. It can mean the loss of not only just territory, but also the collapse of the entire ant colony. Now, you recall ants are a strict hierarchical or empirical type system where they have a queen and then a variety of soldiers and workers that sort of feed the overall colony. And so if you lose territory or an outpost or a fortress, then this can be quite devastating and in some cases can rob the colonies of their required food sources and lead to a collapse. Now, obviously losing a colony is quite devastating, but what happens if you win? If you're engaged in a vicious and long drawn out war, then the results of victory can be just as bad as winning. For example, after World War II, the world was left in a large state of economic collapse, and actually Britain and the rest of Europe saw its fiercest rationing, not during the war, but after, often after, which took many years to recover from. Probably so for these ants, because the victors now have to defend twice the area, let alone with an army that has been depleted in this vicious ant-on-ant conflict. So that means less ants to defend from elephants. So to study this, what these researchers undertook was basically they they found a couple of trees and tied these different colonies' trees together and joined them physically in a way that they wouldn't have otherwise been, thus bringing two ant nations into conflict. They spread a tarp out underneath the tree and they caught the, uh, well, the, the, the victims or the losers of this war and could analyze them. And then they actually simulated an attack or a grazing of a large, uh, animal such as a giraffe or an elephant on these trees to study how this victor after this ant war would recover and cope with this new territory they had to defend. Now, previously, it had been thought that these fortresses of different colonies were sort of cooperating sisters where relatives of the queen work, you know, for their family, their, their side. 
However, Rudolph's works actually demonstrates that non-relatives can become part of the colony and actually help it defend the, the new areas, residents and territory. Much in the same way that now, now the former members of this defeated group of ants actually just get absorbed into this new colony. And they actually figured this out by analysing the DNA of nearly over 800 ants that discovered after the fighting, and it saw that after the colony's war between the two competing colonies, the victor's DNA was actually changed to include elements of the previously defeated foe, which suggests that they have been absorbed into this new empire, so to speak. So what, what occurs is effectively, you know, these, these ant colonies are at war, a bitter, bitter war where many individuals die. But, but they are able to just declare a ceasefire and form a lasting truce where the other members will join in. Now, Rudolph's research has not identified why or how this happens, but uh, she does note uh, that fighting ants change the odours that they, they emit to distinguish between nestmates and potential invaders. So what could happen is that the updated or blended cues shared by Pryophos uh, may help ag- end aggressive responses. So basically, there's a sorting out process uh, that sort of occurs. And this, this, this is actually a little bit interesting. It's got a funny link, actually, to our other study done in 2013 uh, that showed that skin bacteria communities of competing roller derby teams actually converge during bouts. So much in the same way that the ants sort of converge to a similar um, odor, odor emission to help just... Dis- so instead of the two competing ones actually get to a similar one so that they learn to cooperate with each other and not um, see each other as enemies... The same thing happens for bacteria of people engaged, humans engaged in roller derby, a very physical and violent sport, which probably carry over to other types of sport as well. So the, the, the landmark finding summary from this from Rudolph is that physical combat not only yields biological winners and losers, but it can alter either the genetic or the, the odour or the bacterial identity of its combatants. Now time for a quick Mammal March Madness 2016 update. This last week we've seen the Mighty Giants and Chill Mammals Round 2 occur along with the Mascot Mammals and Mammals of the Nouns Round 2. After these competitions they've advanced then into the Sweet 16. And we're going to to summarise up to the Sweet 16 for you all. Which included a victory for the Bison over the West Point Mules. Which concluded that military training is useful but not enough to take down the Mighty Buffalo. Now... The giant anteater, also actually known as the ant bear, was no match for the great polar bear whose continued lethargy and general reluctance to do anything has still managed to see it through the Sweet 16. Now the tiny HB pencil on legs, the greater mouse deer, was really no match for the forest hog which outweighed it by many killer stoats and therefore was swiftly defeated. An interesting showdown was the great Tacken, which managed to survive so far in the Arctic bracket showing off and showing down against the polar bear. Now, whilst polar bears are unstable on sea ice, and unfortunately for the Tacken, though it managed to pierce the polar bear's hide with a massive, one of its massive horns, the polar bear's swift claws and swipes were no match for the poor Tacken's skull. That could be a long-running in- injury, though, for the polar bear, so it may not last much longer in this tournament, which is a problematic for me because I had that quite going quite far. Now, of course, the mountain goat came up against the otter of the sea, but... As this battle took place on a rock face, the mountain goat's home territory, the Otter of the Sea was no match and swiftly, like many foes before it, fell to its death. 
Team Goat once again reigned supreme. Despite being faced with a foe entirely covered in quills, the Wolf of the Tundra managed to overcome the spiky quills of death of the porcupine and advance through. In a surprise move, and in one actually based on reality, the Texan Longhorn Cow actually defeated a brown bear, the Coast Guard Academy bear. And this is actually based in reality. We have had evidence of bears attacking cattle. Though it is rare, it does occur sometimes. And in instances where it does occur, the herd of cattle and its large horns do result in basically unfortunate instances for the bear. And this occurs more and more as human expansion impinges on animals' natural territory, such as the brown bear, the black bear. And sometimes this ends up quite poorly for cattle or other domesticated animals, but other times their large defences do them well. And in somewhat of an upset, the uh, Longhorn actually did manage to defeat the bear. And uh, Wolverine continued its uninterrupted run for the championship and managed to displace the uh, Snow Leopard. Now this will culminate quite swiftly and shortly in the finals, which will occur in the Elite Eight, which is the next showdown. Um, it will feature basically the top two in each bracket before obviously the semi-finals and the finals proceeding in the next coming week. Once again, Associate Professor Dr. Katie Hinder and her team have done a great job in putting this together. And if you want to follow the action, head to Twitter and search for 2016MMM or go to the Mammal Suck blog um, run by Dr. Katie Hind, or just search 2016 Mammal March Madness. in science, discoveries can occur in the places that you least expect it. Take, for example, penicillin. Now, the discovery of that was from mouldy bread and orange peels, and from that we basically developed antibiotics and really pretty much saved many, many lives and protected the human race. Similarly, researchers at the University of Dundee have managed to find a way that you could turn mouldy bread into a rechargeable battery source. Now, we need to go into a bit more detail here. This work has been led by Geoffrey Gadd from the University of Dundee in Scotland. And Gadd's team have been researching for many years now the ability of fungi to transform metals and minerals in useful and surprising ways. In earlier studies, he and his researchers have shown that fungi could stabilise toxic lead and uranium. And we've also talked about a similar processes before with the use of bacteria to convert garbage into energy or electricity or to recycle and cure radioactivity with a variety of other processes. And this kind of earth cleaning methods using natural processes is something that's being studied quite a bit. But in this specific instance, what this team from the University of Dundee has discovered is a way to make electrochemically active materials using a fungal manganese biomineralization process. So basically the idea, and, this, and it was a crazy idea at the time, is that when they're studying uh, these fungi, they noted that when they decompose, uh, particularly the biomineralized carbonates, when they decompose, they dissolve into oxides, which could have provided a novel source of metal oxides. Now, if you have a metal oxide, that means that they would have... Um, 
free electrons. And that can be useful for electrochemical properties. The idea behind this effectively then is to try and create a fungi that through its decomposition process actually just produces useful electrochemical materials. In fact, what they were really actually very interested in is whether or not it could be useful in a particular type of basis. So what they actually were studying was the fungus Neurosposa crassa or N crassa. They, they put in, mixed in some with some urea and manganese chloride and basically watched what happened. What they found was that long branching fungal filaments became biomineralized or basically became a mixture of biological and mineral components and they enveloped the minerals in very odd formations. After applying heat, they were basically left with a mixture of carbonized biomass, right, so burnt stuff, and manganese oxides. Now, manganese oxides had very interesting structures, very interesting chemically formed structures that would make them ideal for use in supercapacitors or in lithium-ion batteries. Why do I care about supercapacitors, you may ask? Well, lithium-ion batteries, LI batteries, are used in everything from mobile phones to hoverboards. So they impact your daily life a lot. And if you've ever run out of battery, trust me, you want them to be improved. And you'll also notice that over time, batteries actually lose their performance as well once they try to build up these kind of internal structures that block the charging and recharging process. So we're constantly searching for ways to optimize our batteries. And the thought had been to improve lie-on batteries or supercapacitor performance using alternative electrode materials. So instead of just using what we're currently using, to replace it with maybe carbon nanotubes or manganese oxide. And they're pretty much the two big contenders to replace the current mixture. Now, what this fungal decomposition process showed is that they can actually pretty rapidly produce ideal manganese oxides, which is what you would then need to make good batteries. In fact, it performed extraordinarily well and had excellent cycling stability. More than 90% capacity was retained after 200 cycles. So you know how I mentioned that after you charge and recharge and charge and recharge batteries, they sort of degrade in performance? Using this method, the manganese oxide-based lithium batteries created using biomass magnesium oxide actually performed extraordinarily well. And with a bit of refinement, could actually probably be even better. Now, this is the first study to demonstrate the synthesis of active electrode materials using a fungal biomineralization process. And what it really shows is that biomaterials, particularly fungal-based biomaterials, can be an exciting new area of research in biomaterials. And the great part about that is that fungi are pretty easy to produce and can reduce our reliance on scarce metal elements by basically trying to augment. This has been the Young Scientist of Australia's like podcast, The Grange Point. From fungi and moldy bread, bread helping us make better managed to turn plus ants find a way merging their colonies together to a fight off predators. Plus we recap 2016's Sweet 16 round of Mammal March Madness. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia. <laughs>